Music-loving podcast for music-loving people where we take every single album by a particular artist and we rank it all from worst to first. That's right, we're the podcast that one person once said is very entertaining, but their opinions are infuriating. So, listen, friends, we've had a pretty wild <laughs> fifth... Yeah, that's I, fair. It is completely accurate. I believe that person. <laughs> uh, we've had a pretty wild and delicious uh, season five so far, and now we're kind of getting into new territory. We're getting into the modern. We're getting into the real baby. Uh, because this time, this week, we're actually going right into the realm of kind of hit pop adjacent R&B funk pop. Uh, we're doing it with a, a multi-hyphenate of a talented individual who is not only an actor, but also a writer and also a director. So many things together. That's right. This week, we are going to be talking about the one, the only swag Gina Davis himself. That's right. Childish Gambino. Uh, DJ MC, if you're nasty. So uh, Childish Gambino, uh, born on a military base, uh, actually uh, grew up, uh, went to New York for a school, joined a couple of troops and eventually got picked out to become a writer on 30 Rock, made some movies with his friends and a little bit of acting gigs here and there, but then eventually through his uh, gig as Troy on the NBC sitcom Community, as well as a couple other endeavors, also was a rapper this whole time. He dropped a couple different mixtapes, he had a lot of fun with it, and eventually on the set of Community he met with a composer, uh, Ludwig Gordonson, I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly, uh, and basically they started working with music together. He was a composer, he hadn't really done hip-hop before, but together through their musical partnership, Childish Gambino really turned into a force in and of itself, and between that, him and Donald Glover were able to gradually conquer the world through multi-platinum hits, through uh, some rather acclaimed albums, artistic detours left and right. It's a whole lot to get through, and we're going to get through it today on this wonderful episode. Thank you for joining us. Leave a review. Also, here's the thing. Uh, the people that are going to be uh, rating all this stuff together, there's some familiar faces, as I'm sure you know. First off, there's me. I'm Evan Soddy. You might know me as the interviews editor at Pop Matters. Uh, you can find me on the internet. And also, uh, <laughs> if you know anything about me, then you know the person sitting next to me, the Ludwig to my Donald. That's right. Aww. None other than the co-creator of the podcast, Taryn O'Reilly. The man behind the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I had never, I had never listened to the mixtapes, um, but I definitely was a fan of Childish from back in the day. You know, I heard Heartbeat when it came out, uh -huh. um, and I like Sober was one of my favorite songs of that year. So mm. yeah, I've been paying attention. Okay. Um, definitely. Cool. I'm, I'm really excited that we're we're here today. Yeah. Because I wasn't sure. This is a. I don't know. It totally makes sense now that we're doing this, but for example, when we started this podcast, I wasn't sure this would be an artist we'd ever do. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, completely. Because I feel like in the past couple of years, he has blown the fuck up. And also, and we'll get into this a little bit when we dive into it, especially in the half hour mini-sode, but there's a degree of I wonder if we'll ever get another album from him. Uh... We'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it. But here's the thing. Taryn and I can have this discussion all day, but in order to make this happen, we need to bring in 
the guy. We needed to bring in the expert. We needed to bring in our number one stunner. That's right. We're talking about an incredible, <laughs> incredible podcaster. He is a photographer. You can find him on Instagram at kid underscore Cody with a K92. That's right. Our in-studio right now, the one, the only Cody Gordon is here. Cody. Oh, Shantae. <laughs> How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I am. I feel blessed and humbled to accept your invitation and come on to this podcast. Yeah. I have spread the word of the chartographers, oh. uh, the beautiful things you are mapping with the podcast that you make to my friends and my roommate loves you guys. Oh. I haven't really actually had the chance to tell you that. That is really that's awesome. So funny. I love yeah. that. Uh, he, he participates in his own little podcast and when I told him that I was coming here, he... Uh, he took the time to listen to a couple and he loved you guys. So. Okay. That's amazing. That's really yeah. awesome. Well, and you've been a fi- fan of Childish Gambino for like a while, right? Oh, yes. I, you know, one of the most difficult things about this for me is I feel like, I, and I hate to make it sound like this, but I feel like I was there on the ground floor. Okay. When he was, was when he was coming up. Was it like Sick Boy Poindexter era? Oh, like, I feel like I, I watched him on Derek Comedy. Oh, shit. So, like... And then when I found out he was doing music, I was like, oh, this is neat and new and cool. I wonder, like, how this is going to turn into a new skit, but it didn't, and it kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I feel tethered to Gambino and his his uh, ascension and his multiple different... Uh, mediums. Mediums, yeah. yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too. Let's be real about what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be ranking uh, Childish Gambino, but the thing is we are ranking Childish Gambino from a certain point because... If we really wanted to, this could be our longest episode with about 800 different albums because he has put out so many mixtapes. So many mixtapes under the name DJMC and even ones under Childish Gambino where it's basically him rapping under uh, over indie beats and whatnot. Sufjan Stevens and Grizzly Bear and all sorts of other Slight shit. Else. Exactly. <laughs> completely right. So the thing is that in terms of ranking his discography, we actually kind of are using a little bit of an entry point. We wanted to once he... Because DJMC evolved into Childish Gambino. He put out some I, I Am Not a Rapper mixtapes as well. Well, we're going to start our ranking, our personal one. Obviously, we don't include EPs, so the EP that has Freaks and Geeks in it called EP. We will not be counting on this one here. Sorry to disappoint you Freaks and Geeks fans out there, but I know there are them. Uh, the other thing, though, is we're going to start basically from the Ludwig era. We're going to start with Cul-de-Sac, his uh, mixtape that came out in 2010, which was really the first time, even though he had a couple samples in there, it was original music that was really starting to happen on that end. And that's kind of a very fine point for him, too. More so when the I Am Not a Rapper mixtapes, where it's literally him and his fucking MacBook Mike in a fucking dorm room uh, bathroom where he's recording his raps. Like, we're going with the actual studio shit there. Which means, in terms of our ranking, that means Cul-de-Sac from 2010. That means his first proper studio album, Camp, from 2011. There's his mixtape, Royalty, from 2012. There is his much bigger studio album, Because the Internet, which came out in 2013. There's his combination mixtape, EP kind of sort of thing, St. Mountain Kauai from 2014. We'll get to that in a minute. There is his uh, Grammy-winning funk experiment that was Awaken My Love from 2016. Awaken My Love. Uh, and then, of course, there was his, oh, by the way, I'm putting out an album, 31520 from 2020. So, altogether, that is seven things. But we really need to talk, before we go any further, about Stone Mountain and Kauai. It was such a weird fucking release, guys. It was essentially, he put out a mixtape, a Dat Piff mixtape, uh, Stone Mountain, uh, on a, it was someday in October in 2014, and then the next day there was the studio uh, EP Kawhi, which came out 2014. They have similar, like reversed, almost identical cover art. A lot of people consider them the same release. In terms of our ranking and what we're doing today, the real question is: Is Saint Mountain Kawhi a single release or is it two separate releases? You keep calling it Saint Mountain. Stan Stone Mountain. God damn it! <laughs> you you saw, I was, I was, like, I was speaking so fast I couldn't. I was like, wait, did he say Saint Mountain? Saint, Saint <laughs> Mountain. 
Saint Rome. He loves Saint Vincent. It makes sense. No, uh, Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain. Thank you so much. Uh, but yeah, Cody, where do you fall in the line of Stone Mountain Kauai as being judged individually or separately? Oh, uh, you know, to me, Donald Glover fancies himself as a big brain type of artist. So in his mind, I feel like he's really playing with this all. I'm gonna have to put this one as a single release, which is two different titles. So like, okay, which. Which is tough because if, I feel like there needs to be an overarching title between Stone Mountain and Kawhi. I just uh, feel like they're so different. Yeah. Like, there's a very different vibe between the two of them. And so, I like, I understand the argument because, like, at the end, there's almost, like, a plot through this whole release where, like, he's ha- he's dreaming Stone Mountain. And then at the end of Stone Mountain, he wakes up in Kauai and then talks about what he's doing in Kauai. And so, like, I get it as a single release, but, like, it's just... They're just such different pieces of work to Musically, me. they are, like, drastically different. So I'm conflicted. Yeah. I would personally rank them separately, especially because most people who have heard Kauai have not heard Stone Mountain because of... Well, I feel like they're also they're kind of cater to two different bases, too, because there's a little bit more of Pop, Pop Donald when it comes to Kauai, and then there's a little bit more of keeping it for the streets with Stone Mountain. It's funny, when you say Pop Donald, I so when he wrote Kauai, he was on his, I don't know, honeymoon, but he had essentially just left and went on vacation and just wanted to like forget everything yeah while he was there i'm pretty sure he was just diving into all lustful things you could do all at Kauai. and i i feel like it was reflected through his music he, like it, it felt like he finally had a chance to relax get away mm-hmm. which leads to the huge the huge tone difference between Kauai and stone mountain yeah like it would i mean the stone mountain um completely different environment like i think the other argument and i'll be fine whichever way we go here but the other argument is that stone mountain is almost completely beats from other producers whereas Kauai is donald and ludwig okay you still on the mindset of a single release or are you thinking about splitting it cody uh i mean that's a pretty hard argument to go against <laughs> i know and that's like the tough thing because here's the thing like i have certain ideas in my mind if we if we put them together as one thing it completely changes everything i had in my mind about in no. terms of ranking that makes that mean with that with that argument you provided i mean if he's if while i mean don't get me wrong there yeah. are there are i think a couple tracks on stone mountain that childish gambino produced himself yeah but mostly it there's a split there Okay. You want to do it? All right. We do split, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm very happy with that decision. We will go ahead and uh, cut the baby in half, as it were. Stone Mountain and Kawhi I are will two say separate if, releases. If we're yeah. doing it separately, it feels a little weird not to also rank EP, but we don't have to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we all know how we feel about EP. It's uh, pretty wonderful and fantastic. We'll talk about seeing him live, too, which I've had the experience to do. Uh, exactly. So we will talk about that in a little bit. So for you EP stands out there, we will hear your notes in the Happy Hour Minisode right after this. Uh, in the meantime, though, that leaves us with eight releases. Cul-de-sac camp royalty because the internet stone mountain Kauai, Awaken My Love, and 31520. Such a stupid name for an album. I'm sorry. Uh, but here, let's go ahead, dive go. into it. Cody... We have eight slots. We're ranking them together as, again, you know, and our conversation can change everything. Uh, and the thing is, we are going to collectively work it all together. Uh, but most importantly, Cody, I just want to hear your nomination. I want to hear your thoughts. I want your ideas. If you were to rank number eight, what is the lowest ranked album? What would you nominate? <sighs> See, I don't know why, but you, get, you got in my head now. It's splitting Kawhi and Stone Mountain. Because I it would, changes it. It completely changes it. Completely. I fully agree. For me, I'm going to have to go with, with Kawhi. I'm sorry. I almost did a spit take there. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, 
I was actually gonna say I'm gonna go with cul-de-sac. And <gasps> oh, uh, I have a I have a few few hot takes. So oh my god, okay, lay us well. For, give us the context a little bit for cul-de-sac and why you feel that way about it. Yeah. Uh, so for me, cul-de-sac is more of a at this point in my life, uh, it's like a memory. Mm-hmm. It's a old old feeling. When I listen to it now versus when I did when I was 15 or 16 or 17. I'm it hit different. Very different. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things he raps about, knowing his past, just didn't really mix with the character that I knew he, who he was. Like for, for instance, like, let me dope you. Mm-hmm. I'm all right. Fuck it. All the glory. Like, Donald, like, it, it was the Donald that I loved with the hot punches, the quick lines. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I slowly, like, got out of that. And, like, listening to Cul-de-Sac, that's all it is. Like, for me, each song is just one long punch. Like okay. Punchline after punchline after punchline. And while his cadence is good and the, the, lyri- the lyrics are fire, it just, I feel like there's not a lot of in, or in gen- or sorry, genuine genuineness in Cul-de-Sac. Authenticity. Reflect- authenticity. That yeah. Refl- reflects him as the rapper that he was at that time. I am very fascinated by this opinion, because here's the thing. I want to kind of dive into something a little bit here, which is essentially more than any other artist that we've done. I would say that the overarching theme of Childish Gambino's discography, especially from the cutoff point that we're doing it of cul-de-sac onward, every release ties around to identity in some way or another. And I think very specifically because there's a bit of identity of just like, he's this kid that's in this, you know, doing nerdy comedy and shit. He's very much, if you want to talk about code switching, I feel like there is no other discography that can depict that more than this right here. Go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm I'm spacing on which song it was as I look at it. Um, But I almost want to say it is... I'm all right. Mm-hmm. And I think in one of the lines he actually references about like how like his fan base is making fun of him for making black music for hipsters or indies, indie kids. And he's like, don't laugh at them because someday you'll have to wipe their ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, who is he talking to? <laughs> and like, it just seemed very polarized. And it just wasn't the Donald that I know now. Like, it's just so completely different. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at that time... I liked him for those those fast punchlines that were very witty. Those hashtag want, rap, as he did, as it was called before, yeah. But I want more than that out of, out of my out of my artists these days, and that just didn't reflect in, in cul-de-sac. Like it's it's strong, it's very lyrically lyrically well written, but for who he was as as a rapper at that time, I just lose a lot of the messages in the songs. Okay, so, I I here's the thing. I think that I know there are some people that stand cul-de-sac as his greatest album. I'm not one of those... No. Genu- no, gen- <laughs> no way. I mean, the thing is, this no is a very way. divisive discography, too, so I understand that we're kind of oh. jumping, going to a lot of different places. I will say one thing about Cul-de-Sac is that it is, for me, a little bit hit or miss, just in the sense of the fact that, at times, it is lyrically pushing. The thing about Glory, when he's talking about his parents watching him and him holding onto a bottle, and just, like, his dealing with his alcoholism as he's trying to wrestle all these things as a performer, I'm, like, so utterly compelled by that. I think, beat-wise, when he throws on that fucking Adele sample on there that just like I mean, takes that sends me like that shit fucking still hits all this time later go ahead so I don't know <laughs> there's another Adele single he does as well mm-hmm. but it's not part of cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and for me I just I, I like for that one I like that Adele standalone single like ten times over the Adele uh, the Adele sample in cul-de-sac, oh, cul-de-sac. okay yeah. So I just am very fascinated by this, too. So for you, you will still acknowledge that cul-de-sac is, like, good lyrically for the most part, but you just, there's a lot of, it ties back to a little bit of who you were and how you're not that person anymore, and you feel like Donald's well, not that person. Well, that, but also, like, Donald Glover, 
as a person back then too, like I think he still had so much to prove. Yeah. And you can hear it yeah. in both his lyrics and his delivery on this album. And I, I think that there's as much as I really like some of the productions on Cul-de-Sac, all of the ones that I really like, I'm like, oh well, this is very much what Kanye was doing right around yeah. now. Yeah. And, and so mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and which is not a, a problem or a mm-hmm. dig. I love this era of Kanye. It's just it it's not super original yet. He hadn't quite found himself and he was still I mean, this was his first true piece of work. I mean, yeah. it's a mixtape. Even he didn't think it was, like, strong enough to yeah. charge money for. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know that he would disagree with you that much. It's just, I I, I, I really like what's happening here. I don't think I would say if it's, it's his worst album that we're ranking today, but I definitely understand why you are putting it here. Well, to piggyback off that, that was also this time when Drake was starting to become hot. And he also takes a few shots at Drake through cul-de-sac as mm-hmm. well. Takes a um, few shots at, and then also kind of... Cops if you pose it does. It's yeah. like, okay, how are yeah. you gonna how yeah. are you gonna, yeah. gonna call him out and then also like do a beat that sounds just oh like him? Uh <laughs> he also takes I don't know if he did it on purpose too, but he also took a direct line from one of Drake's songs as well. Oh. Um circle back to that. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in my hands and then come back and I'm gonna Exactly. Gonna say it's it. okay, we'll be here. Um well and that's the thing is that for me, there are highlights on this one here. Like honestly, got this money still hits. Like, there's still parts of that I still really fuck the with. The acoustic version's way better, though. Really? Uh, because I think, I think again, still man. still trying to prove himself, no, trying to, to find his artistic voice. Mm-hmm. I think that the way that he sings Got This Money works a lot better in a live acoustic setting than it does with this beat. Like, the beat in, in a few places is, like, too heavy for the vocal he's giving it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a, it's a mixtape, you know, yeah. it didn't have like, they didn't do a bunch of multi-tracks on it and yeah. effects to like make it blend to the track better. But I, I, I do think the acoustic version's a, a step up. Which to his credit, a lot of cool sag, I mean, to me, didn't sound like a mixtape. I thought the it was production totally, was great. Totally. Right. Exactly. And honestly, you could say the same about royalty too. I mean, that is one royalty. Yeah. I've had such yeah. a complicated relationship because listening to it for this week for the podcast has changed what I thought I was in my mind of it when I first listened to it. But we'll get to that in a second. I would, if it's okay. Um, the thing is that like, I would personally not throw cul-de-sac on here because I want to throw something out there. This is just my opinion on here. What I think the worst one is here. And thank God we spit the baby in half. I fucking hate stone mountain guys. I'm sorry. I really, really, really do. It's one of the things where in terms of, I, it's one of those, we really need to talk about identity in terms of what he's trying to put out there. Because for me, Stone Mountain, like this idea of him having this vision of what he would do if he was in Atlanta and running these radio stations and reopening these clubs and stuff. I don't know where, where that Donald that we know and love, especially that Childish Gambino, even the one on Because the Internet is in Stone Mountain. I don't know exactly what he's trying to put out there. There is still bits of humor in there and some of like the interludes and skits. But overall, this record for me is just so utterly uncharismatic. And the thing is that the why he did the split between Stone Mountain and Kawhi is still fascinating to me because they are they feel like they come from completely different artistic planets. So do you think that was do you really think that was just by choice that they made that split? 
Oh, well, here's the thing. His relationship with this record company says a lot about it, too. Because with Glassnose Records, he complained about when Camp came out, he felt like they weren't doing enough to promote it. And the thing is that there is a cult of Childish Gambino that is very much a big fan of his and will follow whatever he does. People sure. that will jump in the comments and quote lyrics back to people, even if it's negative. We could talk about the 1.9 uh, per, uh, Pitchfork review of Camp later. I think largely due to the fact that he calls out Pitchfork in the fucking lyrics. Uh, but I will say that it's one of the things that he was had hits and his songs went gold, but I think largely because he was playing to it, he wasn't getting necessarily rap radio play in the same way that he was with like other rappers like a Drake, like uh, you know other major labor people. And he had a big issue with because the internet too, because on because the internet they were he wanted to put out in December of that year, 2013, and they were saying Glass Note was saying that hey, you know we're not really cool about that. We kind of want to push into the next year because you know it's a time for holiday releases and things. And he's like, why do you want to push it back? The album's done. I want to put it out. And so he actually started a hashtag. Uh, related to this to try and get people to gen up interest and eventually got his way and was able to put out uh, Because the Internet in December. So the fact that Kawhi came out on Glass Note and Stone Mountain came out as a Dat Piff mixtape, I think very much speaks to this kind of duality that he has. Because these songs on Kawhi are studio-ready, ready to go, and actually, i got to be honest... They were pretty strong for the most part, I think, personally. But the thing is, so Stone Mountain, I do feel like there is a small degree of the fact when he put this out, it was because of his label. I feel like there was different sides of him that he needed to show. And I'm not sure what exactly where you, you know, where the line is on there. I just feel like the Stone Mountain one, maybe it's a, maybe made it for the fans, made it for his, you know, people back home. Was he on a different label for Awaken My Love? Uh, I think he was still on it for that because he switched to Columbia for three fifteen twenty. Oh, okay. So yeah, there was there was a switch there, but he made no bones about how he uh, was not happy with the way Glass Note was promoting him, despite the fact that these albums have actually done pretty successfully altogether. Hmm. So yeah, where where do you stand on it? For Stone Mountain, I... <laughs> so it's interesting because a lot of. You, I mean, you're a big Nextel fan. I know that. Well, so well, I... when, when we look at it, it's like I, I feel like after doing royalty, like, mm-hmm. well, even before doing royalty, I feel like he was still uh, trying to fight that this idea of being black enough, mm-hmm. you know, black yes. for rapping. Mm-hmm. So, like, where do you turn? You, you go back to I believe it's his brother, not his brother, but his cousin Steve G. Yeah, and Steve who's G also was, a writer on Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hooks him up in royalty. They get together and put that together. I think he still wants more credit. Mm-hmm. So he continues on and he goes and tries to do Stone Mountain for the place that he grew up in with his, with his actual family. Uh, and it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. I feel like his- Stone Mountain is, doesn't do it for you? No, God, okay. No, no. I, I would agree. Going, okay. Going next. Sorry. I agree. <laughs> I was like, I was about to say like, if you're having a Stone Mountain defense, I don't know what else. No, no, no. I, no. I, have, I have no defenses for Stone Mountain other than that, like he, he probably shouldn't have been anywhere near when this was made. Kawhi, I I appreciate. Yeah. And even knowing now, I wish I didn't know before that he was teaming up with his so writer, Ludwig, mm-hmm. to do it. That makes more sense. And the stylistics come through with Kawhi. But Stone Mountain is like an oversight that he did with his brother. Yeah. I feel like just to get closer to the scene. I, yes, I can see that. For me... I just don't have a lot of takeaways on it. Their ass shots just annoys me. And again, it's one of those things. I was going to say ass shots. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, ass shots as a takeaway? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my least favorite, one of my least favorite songs in this whole discography is No Small Talk. Mm-hmm. I just think it's boring and like, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me at Go all. Go DJ I, for me is like up That's there. not great either. Go DJ. Yeah, and then but, just, yeah. but right before that is All Y'all, which is a bomb no. Timbaland beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what happened here is they got together in a big circle, got a lot of marijuana going, and everyone was just like, yo, throw that on the track. That sounds like 
All yours? That sounds like a bang. Let's get that in. <laughs> and they just right. did it, didn't look back, and they kept going. Yeah. Except, here's the one thing I gotta say. Back before when I was making mixed CDs and not Spotify playlists anymore, Childish Gambino at the Atrium is the funniest fucking goddamn interlude, like, possibly of all time. It's pretty fucking That good. is every <laughs> single fucking, fucking radio thing that you hear in terms of, like, promoting rap shows. That like, it is perfect. It is incredible. Even to the point where, like, I, I love when Have he a blast, comes on. Martin Luther King Day. I love, yeah. I love when he comes on and he's like, hey, Charles Gambino, I'm going to be... And they, like, threw some echo on it. Yeah, like, I'm going to be at the atrium. Also, side note, around 2014, wasn't that when he was thinking about getting rid of his name, Charles Gambino? Um, well, this is was this around the time, was it 2014 or 2013 is when he left Community, and then he also kind of put out that whole, he did, I sent Taryn this, he did the Instagram thing where he was at a hotel and he just posted handwritten notes talking about how he's, like, fearful of, like, Dan Harmon hating him, he's fearful about getting his girl pregnant, he's fearful about being accepted as a rapper, like, it was a lot of, like, deep cut, like, people were, like, worried about him because they weren't sure if it was, like, is this, like, low-key a suicide note? And it was just him kind of expressing his insecurities yeah. in a very public forum, which is also, fun fact, he's not on social media anymore. Because when you're on a fucking Beyonce movie and album, you don't really need to do that anymore. I mean, I think that he is, as much as he was trying to prove himself and make it, he's also a stone cold introvert. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. And so, I'm not surprised at all that once he actually hit the, a level, the level that he wanted, once he had the exposure and the success that he was hoping for, that he which retreated from the public eye for the most yeah. part. That side of him comes out so strong in because of the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so strong. Like, yeah, that is just like his most introvert side coming out and being like, "Man, yeah, I'm so alone right now." All right, not alone, but I want to be alone. It Com- feels good completely. Like- and the thing is, because the internet. I mean, we're talking about everything right now. I know we're like 26 minutes. We're all, <laughs> we're all over. Yeah, exactly. Which is perfectly fine. His discography is too. Fun fact. Uh, but the thing is that, like, again, it all speaks to identity too. Because because the internet, it's like, okay, I have success, and now I'm lonely as. And the thing is, because the internet is like such a confusing and beautiful and compelling and frustrating album all at the same time, that like it's one of those things where I appreciate it to the point where there are parts of it I enjoy, parts of it that frustrate me, but I appreciate that he went and hit, hit, swung for the fences as hard as he did on that one. And that's for the reason after because the internet, Stone Mountain feels kind of like a little of a letdown. Kawhi yeah. we can get to because for I don't know what the fuck he was doing to make that division and make this for the label because. Kawhi, I think, well, is so much more artistically considered. Go ahead. I also do think there's absolutely a level of, of you know, he's putting out a mixtape because some of it he's having fun and he's like, he's not sure if it's working. And that's why there's three Two. different beats Frankenstein together into one single song. And yeah. like, you know, there's, scale. there's, sure. he's sort of all over the place. And he probably knew that, which is why he was like, here's this mixtape. You know, there's some samples I don't feel like clearing, but there's also just some, like, some fun guest verses that he wanted to put out into the world. Like, you know, maybe he wasn't taking it super seriously. And that's why it's, it's like, good. There's, there's some solid things on here, but it's not mind blowing. You know, it's almost similar. And I'm not comparing any of his songs to this, but like. Kanye put out Scoopity Boot like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like wow no one no oh, one I mean no one took I that don't think it's that bad it's no no it's not, not that bad at all but like same idea he just put it out there 
It's yeah. not bad. Not okay. as bad as Scoopity Poop, because that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> All right. Well, listen, 20, 28 minutes in, um, can we agree at least still now number yes. eight? Yeah. Let's yes. do that. Def- definitely, least. definitely, okay. definitely. Uh, Taryn, would you agree about Cul-de-Sac uh, next, or do you have another... So, uh, can I just recant? Can I just shift that? Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Stone Mountain, and then I was going to say, after that, uh, Awaken My Love. Oh. Oh. For me, sorry. And then Cul-de-Sac. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So you'd put Awaken My Love at seven. Yes. All right. I guess we have to talk about Awaken My Love. Let's talk about Awaken My Love. Um, for the record, for those who don't know, this is the time when he decided to abandon rap altogether and yeah. reinvented himself as a 70s funk lover man. So one of my biggest complaints about this album was the legitimate hype. Like, it had been almost, what, three years since the last Gambino album had come out? Yeah. And I'm we're, everyone's thinking, like, you know, this is right after, like, you know, he wore that white T-shirt for like a year straight, and he came out Stone Mountain, and then just nothing. You're like, fell off face of the earth. I think he got into a few relationships that didn't work out so well. Yeah, and then uh, well, it wasn't this also when he was starting work on Atlanta. I think so. Okay. Yeah, around that time, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, multi-talented dude. He's got like a thousand things doing. But I'm, I'm like, pure like childish Gambino stand. I just want to hear his music. Like I love yeah. his acting too. But and then Awaken My Love comes. I'm like, oh, this is dope. The cover art looks psychedelic. Uh-huh. Like, this is going to be good. He's reinvented himself in some way. And I'm just like, wow, like, I'm just listening to Funkadelic right now. Like, it is. I'm, I like, I, I can't hear the, I can't remotely make a difference. Like, I, I tried. I listened to it through and through. And even when you guys invited me on, I was like, all right, I'll, I'm going to give it another listen. Yeah. Because it's been, what, since 2016 it came out. I haven't given it much thought. Right, right. Still can't. I'm just wow. like, I'd, I'd rather just go turn on You even hate Redbone. I can't believe it. I don't, and so that's, and that, and that's my problem, and that's my problem, like, I feel like the album centers around Redbone, like, all of that is just can fodder so that Redbone could exist, and it's just like wow. a, a gem that is in the rough for Awaken My Love. I'm sorry, like, I, I can't, no, I, no, 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 this I've is your opinion, it, I, you're, you're I've right. heard it before, like, and when I found out about Punkadelic, and we talked about this, yes. when I, when I listened to Maggot Brain, like, my world was completely open. Now, let's say, like, if I'd heard this first... And then heard Funkadelic, maybe it'd be a little different. But, mm-hmm. like, they set the tone for me. That was, like, the original. This was the, the first thing. And for him to recreate it so... Deliberately, so specifically. So specifically. Yeah. Same guitar riffs. Same inflections. I mean, Riot literally samples them. And then um, fucking Bootsy Collins plays on Redbone. So, you know. Yeah. He knew it, what he was going for. Exactly. And I, and I don't know what the aim or the message of the of creating this album was like was it to pay tribute to to people before him? I think here's here's my thing. I feel like Kawhi is a, such a different release from him because it is a little bit more pop shit. It wasn't like full radio aside from Sober, which should have been a hit, but we'll get into that later. I think Go so ahead. I would say hit. it's full radio. Yeah. So I would say Kawhi as a release is like pop 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 all the way through. But I also feel like but he discovered he discovered something in his voice that he couldn't do before. And I feel like he mm-hmm. discovered it very oh, specifically with Awaken yeah. My Love. Because he if, if he's adopting this whole like, you know, you know, like well, this yeah, this thing that it, he doesn't ha- capture. Was it the first time he used autotune? I don't specifically know. I, I don't think it was the first time he'd used autotune. Maybe to that that noticeable degree in that way but but here's the one thing I'll say about this though is the fact that it's one of the things even if he's going ahead and even if he's ripping off and taking the bones out of the grave of funk music and reattaching to themselves and trying to pass it off as a new thing 
I will say that it's one of the things he really captures the essence of what that fucking goddamn Funkadelic record was because for a lot of people funk music is just very upbeat and brassy but what is it about Maggot Brain that's so compelling? It's dark as shit. It is horror. It is like weirdly sexy in its own fucking way. And that's what this uh, album is to me. And I'm not necessarily here saying like this was a number one pick and defending it hardcore. I'm just more of the fact that I at least appreciate that he's acknowledging the fact that there is weirder elements to it. Terrified, the song about like, I'm going to chase you down and eat you and it's going to sound sexy. Like there's a lot of interesting elements that are going on here that I very much appreciate. It is not my number one most played Childish Gambino album and I'm not like rushing towards it on here. There's some good songs on here. I appreciate the fact that he's doing a genre detour as severe and as wild as this I one is. See. Right. The thing is that, like, artistically, I can appreciate it. In terms of songwriting, not every song strikes me the way, and, you know, we've talked about songs about uh, dads doting on their children before, and Baby Boy kind of fucking sucks, uh, but I will say, you know, there's other things on her I do like. I like this album. Okay. I do, I, and I, I, you know, I don't disagree with anything you guys have been saying. I... I definitely don't think it's his best. I get, again, I think similar it to part of the argument I made for Stone Mountain is it's less about that he was attaching the bones of funk to himself and trying to sell it as something new. I think he just wanted to have fun. I think he just mm-hmm. loved Funkadelic and wanted to make a yeah. Funkadelic album and was famous enough that he knew people <laughs> would listen to it. I really think that's yeah. all the motivation there was behind it. And that's also why, like... You know, I haven't listened to every Funkadelic song, but I don't think California sounds like Funkadelic. Yeah, that's a, that's more of a fucking Harry Nilsson right. song. Yeah. Or like Stand Tall is like absolutely 100% a Stevie Wonder ballad. <laughs> and I and I like yeah. that, you know? So it's it's not it's not as like 100% a rip-off. Obviously, there's some I mean the the first half yes is straight funk. Me and my mom are your red I mean Boogeyman zombies even have some love with the acoustic guitar and everything like that's still kind of playing into the whole like psych you know rock right vibe and then it sounds on, like there's a fun. whole collective yeah. on stage singing the, the group vocals yeah. like but yeah so i i would don't i would not put this this far down either but i again completely understand why oh. it's not your thing because it, it is very much it's derivative so I think actually I just thought about this kind of a little thing that came in <coughs> circle. Sleigh Bells actually one of the bands that yeah, the Dino sample. knows and sampled and he loves. They actually I feel so ignorant for this, but they have a song that I absolutely loved. It was like Sleigh Bells, Sleigh Bells, six six six. Oh yeah, real real yeah, yeah. that's their big one. Real real literally learned is a funkadelic beat. Oh like, really? It's oh. a legit funk like that whole. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, that's funny. It is a legit funkadelic song, note by note, and they took it and sampled it with their permission. Oh! And this whole time, I had no idea. I thought it was a Slay Bell song, but it I wasn't. I fucking hate Slay Bells. And it just, it, it kind of came full circle in my mind, like funkadelic influencing everybody. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, listen, I there's a, we're obviously talking about a lot of things here. Taryn, I want to toss something to you. We've been talking about a couple things. Just out of curiosity, since we have stunt mode at number eight, what would you personally throw at number Did seven? Did you just call it stunt mode? <laughs> oh, I said stunt mode! Uh-huh. Stunt mode. I'm going to have different names for this every time we mention it. <laughs> you, you you know, Stan Michigan. Stunt mode, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's Stan Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> what would you throw at number seven? You just know, out of curiosity. Classic childish Gambino mixtape stunt mode. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a great mixtape name, also, for the record. Um, you stunt? Oh, 
Um, honestly, I would probably put cul-de-sac next. Wow! Yeah. I don't, I'm not like the biggest cul-de-sac defender. I was just, I'm just very surprised. Yeah. You just feel like he's matured out of that. Yeah, I think, well, I, not to give us spoilers, but I think he just keeps getting better and better. Okay. For the most part. So, I, I would put cul-de-sac yet, because I, I appreciate it, and I think it's a great place to start. Um, but it has its problems, which we've discussed and I don't think he'd found his flow really yet in the same way that he does very soon thereafter. Like mm-hmm. the next year, I feel like his rapping has taken a quantum leap forward. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I would say cul-de-sac uh, is my number would seven. You, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, agree completely. After having rethought that Everything. initial of putting it at the worst. That yeah. was... I mean, it was Strike a that from the record. And I know, and I know there are Charles Gambino fans that are going to be very upset. Strike. And all I can say is leave notes in the comments. Uh, so in that case, let's go ahead. Let's lock it in. Number eight, Stone Mountain. Number seven, Cul de Sac, which takes us to number six. Well, uh, just a really fun fact about Cul de Sac, actually. Fun in fact. The song "I'm Alright" yeah. actually references uh, getting in touch with Rihanna. And it's oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's right. like, I love that years, so much. Nine years later, he did. And we can do a whole yeah. Guava Island. Oh, yeah. God. Which we watched. I, yeah. Well, he liked it, though. You liked it? I <laughs> loved it. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. When Rihanna... Can we, can we, can we Rihanna, save this Rihanna for the happier minute? Okay. Can we save Fine. this for the happier minute? Yeah, we'll save it for the happier minute. <laughs> okay. Great. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Because so, we need to keep ranking we things. We still need to keep ranking things. If it's okay. a two-parter, that's okay. I don't think that's necessary. We've talked about most of it already. Exactly. Okay. Number six, though. Out of Shit. what's next. Oh, fuck. I, so I would not put Awaken My Love yet. I mm. can throw out what may be a controversial oh, opinion. Oh, shit. I would put Camp next. Uh, that's a, that's a spicy, extra spicy with some, with some Cholula on top. That's, Hot take. That was good. Uh, let's talk about it now. Okay. Let's talk about, okay. First off, we're going to talk about Camp, his first studio album, Straight Up. I think Camp is fantastic. I think Outside is a nice opener. It sounds like a fucking musical. A horror musical, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. There have been intense musicals before. Yeah. Um, And then I really like the deep anger and danger of outside straight into Firefly. Yeah. Do the Yeah. Because when they see us in the streets. I mean, it's it's a, okay. a, it's such a, okay. a stark uh, mood shift, but I feel like it works because outside is almost like it's the it's the intro, it's the, there's all these things going on in his head and and then Firefly is sort of more an introduction as to what the album feels like to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know? I fully agree with that. And the thing is that, like, Camp is such a fascinating album because I think there are such incredible, strong moments in here. Because Firefly, an obvious pop single, Bonfire is what initially wrote me in and made me buy the album. And then Firefly, I'm like, oh shit, he's really got, he can actually do shit. And even All the Shine, I'm down with. And then, the, <laughs> I was gonna say. There are, but then there are <laughs> other moments on here. There are some moments that are just hard to listen to. It's one of those things where it's just like, okay, you want Whatever. a fucking Asian chick. I understand. I understand. Honestly, it, yeah. honestly, the the level of take a shot every time he says Asian on this album is part of why it's so low for me. Is like as a listening experience, I was like, really, dude, again with the Asian chicks. Yeah. Not that I, I mean, yay, yeah. love them, but like, <laughs> I don't know. It 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 it's often enough that it feels like fetishizing and a little gross to me. And yeah. and I think he almost knows that, and that's why he never talks it about it again after this record. Yeah, uh, I think, and I, they can correct me later, but I believe it's either on camp. He definitely there is a line. He's like, I put my 
penis in these tiny girls. Yeah. And he's referencing Asian women Again. as well. And it's just yeah. like, okay, we get it. That's graphic. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And yeah. then, and, and for me, then there's also Backpackers, which just feels uh, I, so based. I love, that. I love that song. You I love that song? Oh my God. I know. You were shitting on it earlier, and I was but, like, I'm going to save it for the pod. Pa- I love that song. Fucking Backpackers is what I know, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, he, he said, <laughs> I, hey, I love it. I'm a parent and of I think, minority. I think the hook Y'all probably love fantastic. kids, too. No, oh. not so much. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Kanye beats, uh, LES, absolutely, Ooh. that's a Kanye song. Oh my god, that is such a beautiful fucking bad, not though. not complaining whatsoever. I'm just calling it how it is, yeah. and also even the way he's uh, even his, the way he's rapping that hits to shit. That's yeah. Kanye. Um, but that feels good. Um, but I also like then speaking of Asians, uh, up for his worst songs is "You See Me." Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, what a what a hot pile of trash that is. Bunch of jackanapes in the back of the matinee, laughing and masturbating, probably being body sick boy forever. Suburban loving, uh, suburban Illuminati now. <laughs> yeah, I I actually love that song. You fuck the, oh, you do. So you, so you, fuck, you fuck with camp pretty hard then. It's, okay, the whole. It's gonna be the summer of summer camp, bitch. Well, that's the problem. Is like when this song came out, like. Had a you know nice lady. We we went to the this is this the, okay. So for for reference, context, this, yeah. this is the one I went and saw live. Okay, I went and saw Camp Live, and this was the I guess semi famous thing where like in the back it was just like black screen and it was just like block lettered as mm-hmm. he would rap would go by. Uh huh. And so like I vividly remember he rapped "You See Me," and like everybody rapped it with him and. It was an amazing uh, moment. So, like yeah. for me, I'm just like so clouded in adrenaline when I see that song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I am. I mean, there have been plenty of songs where seeing it live totally changed my opinion. So mm-hmm. I totally, I understand that. Uh, but you would not put this album down here. This is uh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, besides from the actual experience, I just Les. You see me. I even like Sunrise too. I love Sunrise. I love and I feel that's like, the thing. I like I, this album's really good. I just I think he has a pretty strong discography overall, so I would put it down here. But uh, man, if he just if you just get rid of Letter Home, it's it's pretty much banger straight down until you get to kids. <laughs> and uh, but yeah. So if you say you're saying if you got rid of Letter Home and kids, then it'd be like a flawless album. Yeah. Well, they have their place. Like kids is the is the, the spoken. Yeah. So I understand. I understand that it kind of breaks it up. I mean, uh, yeah, to a degree. And it's one of those things where I also feel like there's a degree of also just maturity on here too. Yes. There's a degree of which I can appreciate his lyricism and I can appreciate his line about being the only black kid at the Sufjan concert. Like that shit is potent. That shit is funny and it shit it, it hits real hard. And I also like it's one of those things with Taryn, like this fetishization of Asian chicks just kind of like pulls down so many otherwise stronger moments on this record. It's still a very good record. It might even be it's, it's melodically satisfying in a very, very powerful way. Way. But uh, my biggest thing here is that, like, especially you were talking about the nostalgia of cul-de-sac and how, like, he's not that person anymore. Already, in his very short time, this decade that we've had, this degree of Childish Gambino, I feel like he, too, has also grown out of it, too. Oh, yeah. I and mean, made other stronger, more potent things. And I think a, a lot of the heat that he got was from the black communities. Like, not... Instead of rapping about black women, he's rapping about Asian women. And I feel like... Not only that, he's not rapping about things in, that are like really pertinent to the to the culture that they could identify with. Kind of going back to that that uh, comedy made the comedy made about you know don't laugh at the indie kids mm-hmm. when they have to wipe their asses. Yeah, and it's like, I still feel like he has this idea that he's not 
black enough per se yet. And so he has to cater to both audiences in a way, and it just like splits them. So he's still he's still dealing with that identity crisis mm-hmm. right now, and you can still kind of see it here. So, so you're pretty unshaken then about your putting awake in my love at number six. So we got a uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. So we got we got, you got camp Mountain. royalty because of the internet Kawhi awake in my love in three fifteen twenty. Oh, so we're going from worst to best. We have Stone Mountain cold or for me Stone Mountain. Well, yeah. yeah so that's... Stone Mountain, yeah, Stone Mountain's number eight. Cul-de-sac we liked at number seven. Every number six is what we're debating right now. Oh, I see, I see. I, oh, I just can't, I can't go to camp. That's that's. Oh, so you would say awaken my love? I would say for <laughs> now. <laughs> this is the most contentious one we've had all season. I'm very happy. I know. I can't believe we're debating so hard about Childish Gambino. No, well, number six. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the way Awaken My Love at, okay. s- at six. So I think we're outvoting then. This might in be the, in the uh, uh, interest of moving forward. In the, the interest of moving forward with the podcast, because we're talking about 46. everything. Avoid forty six. I. And listen, y'all haters can come on in the comments right now. I would throw my vote behind camp for number six right now. And this isn't nothing. This is nothing against you, Cody. This is you guys. Oh no, that's fair. That's fair. Exactly. That's yeah, fair. we're just, we're talking about it. We're debating it. And again, we can talk about it a little bit more in the happier mini so too. But we are we have five albums left and five spots, okay, and we're yeah, almost yeah. now we're in. So that being said, uh, there's that, and now we have what's left is royalty because the internet Kawhi awaken my love in three fifteen twenty. I, so at this point, while it isn't specifically what I had next, I wouldn't be that mad if we put Awaken My Love at number five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm fine with I, that. I'm fine with yeah. that because I will agree. I The thing I run into a lot with this discography, I appreciate so much of what he does, even if I don't always 100% love every aspect of it. And it's one of those things where for me, there isn't an album, this whole, and the reason why I was so excited for this podcast is there wasn't an album that's like Knockout, that's number one, that's it. Like there wasn't one that just completely spoke to it because every album caters to such a specific part of his persona and his artistic identity. So when we're making these things, when we're ranking these things in the arbitrary order, even though it's definitive because we're this podcast, uh, it's one of those things where like, I just, I'm not mad about any of these things. I'm not really not going to be mad about what's number one because when we have Stone Mountain at number eight, Cul-de-sac at seven, Camp at six, and Awaken My Love at number that, five. That sounds good. Honestly. Right. And then we have Royalty because the internet Kawhi and 315.20 left. Like... That Ooh, is okay, some shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, now, Taryn, I know you're not usually a fan of this idea. I just want to mm-hmm. float it about the idea of potentially doing a part two, just because we've covered so much ground right now. Well, yeah, because we haven't even really started talking about the albums that are left, have we? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I don't need really. to do it. And if it's a shorter part two, that's fine. But I just don't want to have a ninety-minute episode hanging out there, with yeah, stick in the wind. That's you know. So uh, let's <laughs> this so way. you want to just call it now and yeah, and maybe have like two forty-five-minute parts. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. In that case, uh, friends, family, countrymen, thank you so much for listening. For the record, uh, unbelievably, we're doing a part two episode because the debate is so intense. Because Cody Gordon is such a good guest, and if you have opinions to shout at him, you can do so on his Instagram at like kid go, underscore uh, K with hot, Cody uh, ninety two. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Um, in the meantime, though, Cody, seriously, even though we're doing a part two, well, let me just say thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, for all of you listening, please I'll throw us your freaking notes and comments in the Twitter and the Facebook and. Uh, the chartographers at gmail.com leave us a ranking let us know what you think but we will see you in the part two and then the half time episode thank you so much for listening uh, see you there hey this is Kyle Hawk from It's All Dead a podcast about the music we love and why we love it 
Our show is a free-flowing conversation featuring a rotating cast of guests, including musicians, music journalists, and music enthusiasts, sharing how the music is still alive and well. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and then come visit us at itsalldead.com.